Great to see you here this evening, John chapter 6. Listen, we're continuing um, the series we started last week where we're looking into um, the identity of Jesus Christ. I'm calling it positive identification. Because how many know when you make a positive identification of Jesus Christ, uh, that, sh- that, that gives you something or someone to focus on because there's all sorts of identities going around. But when you put a positive identity on Jesus Christ, uh, you worship him as the God he claims to be. And we want to continue that on today. We started last week with Jesus saying, I am, just starting out there. I am identifying himself as the eternal God who was, is, and is to come. Um, We want to kind of continue that on these next couple of weeks because Jesus, um, unique to the Gospel of John, made seven statements like this. That was the the eighth one, but this makes seven statements like this. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. So we're going to be looking at uh, all of these uh, uh, statements in detail uh, to get an understanding of the identity or the identity uh, of Jesus Christ. You know when Nathaniel was called uh, and they said, "Listen, we see the Messiah," and Jesus uh, said to him, "I saw you under the tree." He said, "You are the Son of God, uh, the King of Israel." And that wasn't as a result um, of him uh, getting revelation of Jesus Christ. He made a positive identification. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, as you identify somebody, you, you show their characteristics. Uh, and it's always great to understand the characteristics uh, of Jesus Christ, the one who we serve. Do you agree in this place, sir? Come on now. So, you know, in this day and age, there's been many fad diets. Dare I say you yourself have tried Many diets, if you're like me, you've tried a whole list of diets. Um, I remember one of the ones I would never do again, but I did do, was the cabbage diet. Uh, it didn't work out very well. It was not, it's as bad as it sounds. There's the cabbage diet. There's the no sugar diet. There's the uh, just the meat and the fat diet. There's the just drinking water, nothing else diet. There's, uh, you know, there's all these things going on. But one of the things I did try, another one of the ones I did try was the no-carb diet. Anyone else agree with me? Who's ever done that before? Put your hands up. Just me. Oh, come on now. Oh, okay, so a few of you tried it. No-carb diet. And for me, out of all the diets, that one was like, that was like the toughest one. I don't know what it was. You was trying to eat something, but it's like, there's always just a little bit missing. Now, I'm a, I'm a meat eater. I love meat. There's, my meals are not complete unless there's meat in there. But also, there's carbs. I grew up on carbs. It was just, it's a staple. I, I grew up on it. So when it comes to like, uh, you know, you have to eat something, but with no bread, it's like, there's just something there. There's something missing about that. And then when you can put some bacon into, okay, maybe there's no pork here. Okay, chicken into some, 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 some slice of bread or a toast or something. It just feels satisfying. There's something about bread. So obviously that no-carb diet didn't last very long for me. I went straight back to the bread. White, brown, all sorts, seeded, non-seeded. I love bread. And I'm saying that because there's something about bread. And you can understand what I'm going to start with today. The first I am statement that Jesus made in John chapter 6, verse number 35. The Bible says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I want to first look at the significance of bread. Because there is a significance to bread. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he, wouldn't, he didn't just pick any food stuff. Uh, bread, let me choose that one. No, there is a significance to bread. Now, back then in the times when he was preaching to the people uh, uh, in his times in the Middle East, uh, you know, bread was considered the staple food. It formed the basis uh, of most people's diet. It was considered the, uh, the, the basic to survival. Uh, and obviously in those days, they were more agricultural than we are today. They understood that you had to sow and then you reaped in times of harvest. And then it wasn't just reaping and that's it. Then when you reaped, you had to then do things in order to make things. So in order to make bread, they had to get the seeds or get the wheat and then put it and grind it in. And they grind it and make flour and then they use the flour to make the bread. So they understood that and it was like a, a kind of a, a staple thing. Let me get the wheat and let me grind this in, let me make it. And you had important tools in the home, one of them being the millstone. I've got a picture of the guys who throw the millstone up there, the picture that I sent. The millstone was a tool that they used in this, you know, there's these two slabs of stone. You would put the wheat inside the middle there and that would go around and you would grind that thing, grind it. It was there and it was used to make their daily bread. So in the morning, the, the women would get up uh, and, and, and get the, the wheat, put it in there, grind it to make the flour, to then make the bread for the household that day. And this was a staple. Everyone had one of these. It was so much so that found in the judgment of God in Revelation, when it came to the city of Babylon, when it came to that being judged, there's a few things that the, uh, the Revelation tells us about the city. In Revelations 18, 22, it says, The sound of harpists, musicians, flutes, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore, nor craftsmen or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And this, he said that because the sound of a millstone was regular. Everybody did that every single day. You, you just grind up, grind up, grind up. Uh, so much so that even in the Old Testament, when it came to all those uh, laws that you had to abide by, one of the miscellaneous laws is found in Deuteronomy 24 and verse number 6. It says, No man shall take the lower or the upper millstone. You see it was in two parts in the picture. No one should take the lower or upper millstone in pledge, for he takes one's living in pledge. In other words, if somebody owed you some money, what you do, you'll take something as pledge until they pay you that money. Maybe you take their staff or you take, a, 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 I don't know, their, their, their cloak or something. You take something. They said you can take whatever, until it, but you can't take their millstone. Because the millstone is what they do to grind. That's, what, that's how they survive. You take the millstone, you take their ability to make bread, and bread is how people survived. So, of course, when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt... And they were traversing and wandering through the wilderness and they complained about being hungry. What did God supply? Bread. Exodus 16, verse number 14, it says, And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one of, what, did it, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And, and Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So bread is significant. 
So when Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life, he wasn't just throwing words out there. He was trying to connect the significance. And there wasn't just significance then, there is significance right now. I mean, we're less agricultural. Listen, we can just go to the shop and buy what we need to buy, right? That, that still makes sense. We can just go there. But there's still significance. Did you know that many economies around the world is actually influenced by the price of bread? It is an indicator. If the price of bread is going up, it's an indicator of how the entire economy is. So there's still significance that bread holds today. You know, carbs get a bad name. They say, don't eat too much carbs. You'll grow fat. Don't eat too much carbs. It gets a bad name. But generally speaking, it is the staple food. It's a staple diet. We can actually live very, very long on just water and bread alone. We can actually live a long time. When Elijah went to the widow, a great man of God went to a widow. There was a famine in the land and a miracle was done. And in 1 Kings in chapter 17, the miracle that was happened sustained her and her whole household because the jar of oil didn't run dry and the flour was not used up. The Bible says that they ate, they ate many days. Why? Because she had the ingredients to make bread. So the significance of bread gives us the backdrop to the first I am statement. In our text, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So what he actually is saying is, I am the one that gives life and I am the one that sustains life. Jesus is the staple needed to continue on in this world and the next. Jesus is the one that we can run to and be filled and be satisfied. Jesus is the one we need to go to every single day to get the nutrients. Jesus is the very one that keeps us alive. He is the bread of life. Can you say amen in this place? Come on now. Now the background, the background to Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. Just before this, uh, he was preaching to a multitude Bible says there was 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So people believe there was anything between 10 to 15,000 people there. And as we know, the Bible is a famous miracle. Jesus is preaching them. He has compassion upon them. Ask the disciples, listen, get something for them to eat. The disciples are like, where are we going to get enough money to feed all these people? And they brought a little child with his lunchbox. I'm so glad he gave it up. Gracious, he gave up two fish and five loaves of bread, the Bible says. And he was able to bless it, break it, and multiply it and feed 10 to 15,000 people. And after that, Jesus kind of withdrew because they're trying to make him king by force after that. He withdrew and they, they followed him to another side. And they followed him not because he was the son of God. They followed him because of the bread that he provided. But think about this. Think about what Jesus Christ actually did. It, you know, think specifically. Remember that he provided bread for them. Remember what I told you they had to do in order to get bread in those days. And Jesus is just dishing it out for free. Remember the garden back in Genesis 3, 17. So when Adam and Eve, they fell, they sinned against God. And, you know, we're in this mess today because of what happened. They get a bad rep. But listen, we would have done the same thing as well if we were there, right? Because we had this, the same nature. So they fell. And this is the curse that God placed in Genesis 3, in verse number 17. It says, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. 
In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and in sweat of your face you shall eat bread. In other words, because of what happened, in order just to survive, it's going to be hard for you. How many are still feeling, that, feeling the curse today in this here? Come on, in order for us to get what we got to get, listen, you, some people want to try and buy a house. Maybe you're just married, you've got to buy a house, and you see what you've got to do to try and buy a house. You want to try and make a living. You want to try and drive a car. It just gets from A to B. It's not easy these days. We're still feeling that curse now. So listen to what Jesus, or, or think about what Jesus did. He came and multiplied the bread. He multiplied the bread. So in their mind, they're thinking, man, tomorrow I was going to go back to that millstone and just grind up the wheat. But Jesus gives out bread for free. I was going to have to go and sow and wait to, to reap. But Jesus is able to give bread for free. And if they didn't have to grind up, then like us, they had to pay for it. But Jesus gives the bread for free. So when Jesus multiplied the bread, that's why they wanted to make him king by force. Because they're looking at the physical bread. Now, I want to note that Jesus does provide physical bread. He does do that. He does meet our physical needs. He does meet our material needs. You know, the feeding of the 5,000 was recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew and Mark record a similar event of him feeding 4,000. John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. John chapter 21, Jesus told the disciples to cast their net on the other side and they caught loads of fish. They came to shore and had breakfast with Jesus. Amen. What a breakfast that would have been. Can you say amen in this place? Breakfast with Jesus. So he does meet our physical needs. He does do that. And how many believe, how many believe he still does that today? Come on, he meets our physical needs. This is great. He still does that. However, however... Life can be uh, all based around physical bread. We can focus on the bread and the bread alone. When the multitude searched for him, they looked for him. Where is this Jesus? In John chapter 6, verse number 26, this was his response. He said, Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Right there, Jesus is making a difference between physical bread and him being the bread of life. Many times people have come into Jesus for physical bread. He says, listen, okay, physical bread is one thing, but I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you something that will sustain you for eternity. I'm giving you something that if you feed on this, you will never hunger again. Come on, you drink this, you will never thirst again. Jesus is saying there's something better than the physical food that you will chase. Jesus is saying, listen, if you understand who I am, you will understand that I am the bread that will sustain life forever. John chapter 4 was when Jesus went to Samaria and he met a woman at the well. And he was conversing with her and so on. It was a wonderful sight because she met the Messiah. She went back and witnessed the whole city. The whole city came out to see Jesus Christ. And at the time, his disciples came back, saw him talking to a woman. And here he says this in verse number 31 of John chapter 4. His disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. You're hungry. Get some physical bread down you. And he says, but he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. 
Jesus is saying there is, yes, there's time for the physical stuff. But what you need to understand is there's something else going on here. There's something else you need to pursue. There's something else you need to have in your life in order for it to count. We understand the story of when Jesus was taken to be tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. One of the things that the devil said to him is like, listen, I understand you're hungry. Uh, Why don't you make these stones bread? Command these stones that they become bread. In other words, take your life into your own hands. And the famous words that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's not all about physical bread. We need to consider the spiritual bread. Because sometimes we can allow physical bread or the lack of physical bread to inform our decisions. Sometimes we can make pursuing bread change what we do, change how we act. You know, in the book of Ruth, the wonderful book of the Bible, it's not many chapters. Listen, if you've not read the book of Ruth, I, that's homework tonight. Amen. Go and read the book of Ruth. But it details a story of a family. You've got a husband of the name of Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. They lived in a place called Bethlehem. Bearing in mind, Bethlehem means the house of bread. That's where they lived. They lived in the house of bread and there was a famine during the time. So when there was a famine, there was no work, there was no job, there was no food. It's like, listen, there's no bread, we've got to go. And they made a decision to go to Moab. And if you read this story, read the book, uh, tragedy happened. Eliminate, he died. Uh, Their their children, uh, they died. So you had uh, three widows just out of one decision to move to Moab. I mean, praise God, it ended because God can make something terrible and make something wonderful. I love the fact that that book of Ruth is so amazing. Tragedy hits, but God can move it, rearrange it, and then destiny can unfold. It's such a fantastic book. But I said that to say this, that Eliminate made a decision to leave the house of bread because he can't see physical bread around here. Instead of saying, let me trust the bread of life, I'm going to go look for some physical bread. And as he did that, he lost his life. How many people have lost their life, lost destiny, looking for things that make them satisfied? Looking for things that will make them happy. Looking for things that would fulfill their life. Looking for relationships because they think, listen, I need to be in a relationship. How many know, listen, being married is good. Uh, you know, I, I'll preach that to, to the day I die. But listen, it's also good to be just, just single and focused on God. It's also, it's also good. It's a blessing. Some people, that's a calling. Uh, some, uh, the Apostle Paul said, I wish all of you was like me. Listen, it's not all the be all and end all. I need to get get this. I need to get this. No, you don't. Just get yourself hooked up with the bread of life. And the Bible says you will never hunger again, never thirst again. You know, in the societies we live in, different countries, different cultures, we have many different terms or slam terms for money. When I was uh, growing up, I used to call money peas. Because peas started with pound, or pounds start with peas, sorry, so it's peas. Give me some peas. Have you got the peas? And it was, in school, that's what we used to say, peas. Some people say coin, even if it's no. So yeah, pass me the coin. That's a, it's it's a, t- a term they use, coin. In the US, there's all sorts of num- things they use, green, Benjamins. You know, I'm sure you have your own uh, terminology for money, for cash, and all that stuff. But funny, one of the things that's referred to as money is bread or dough. Anyone heard those terms before? Give me the dough. 
or, or pass the bread over. Because it's interesting that that's used there. And, 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 and you see the link because, like I said from the beginning, bread is, con- is concerned or, or is linked with survival. So when it comes to, oh, give me the dough, you're talking about something that could sustain me. I find it funny, there's a link with money in this as well when talking about bread. And we all know what Jesus said. He said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve two masters. Otherwise, you're going to be loyal to one and hate the other. Oh, you're going to serve one and despise the other. You can't serve God and dough. Can't serve God and mammon, God and money. There is a link to it because people are looking for bread to, or physical bread to satisfy something. Oh, but Jesus said, if you come and partake of the living bread, you will never hunger, you will never thirst again. In our text, it says, he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We get the idea of a continual coming and a continual believing. I'm going to look at my third point here at a a hard saying. Because as he said this, he used uh, uh, this analogy about bread uh, to talk about himself. But then he moved into a harder saying and he directed into a harder saying. We're going to read it in uh, chapter 6 and verse number 51. uh, We're going to start from 52. So it says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Come on, this is hard. You have no life in him. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. It was at this point when Jesus started speaking like that, that many people said, hey, this ain't for me. Eat what and drink? Hey, I'll see you later. God bless you. Thanks for the bread. I'm gone. Because it comes to a point that when you come to Jesus, you're going to have to experience a hard saying like this. And he said this because he wanted to direct people saying, if you're going to follow me, I want to direct you to the cross. When he's saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he was directing all those people to the cross that he was going to. You're going to have to partake in what I'm partaking in. I'm laying this down for you. You're going to have to take this. And that's why, you know, you have to understand when it comes to benevolence. Listen, we're a church. I believe in benevolence. I believe in giving to the poor. I believe leaving feeding the hungry soup kitchens and things like that are very good food parcels and stuff are very good but it's my belief that we should not it's a travesty if we have a line of people queuing out outside our door and all we give them is bread all we give them is food it's a travesty that all we do just pour out soup or give them food packages and that's it no come yes take the bread but you also need to take this hard saying as well Jesus said, if this is going to continue, if you're going to live, you've got to eat my flesh. You've got to drink my blood. 
I've got to abide in you. You've got to internalize this. You've got to take the gospel and take it for yourself. No use just taking the good stuff, taking the physical bread, but leaving the bread of life. The physical bread, how many know, is going to go in, pass out, and you're going to need another piece of bread tomorrow. The best thing I can give you, if I had to choose to give you food or the gospel, I'll give you the gospel all day long. Listen, it's my prayer I can give you both, but if I can't, I'm giving you the gospel. The crucified and risen Jesus must be received, eaten, internalized, metaphorically, or there is no spiritual life, or there is no eternal life. You know, there's a phenomenon in our household, um, and, it, and it centers around our dinner table. You know, because before um, we got married, and even whilst we were married, before we had kids, I had this picture of our dinner table being this lovely place uh, where there's butterflies flying around, and, and we're all conversing, eating our dinner, thanking God for the food on our plate, and enjoying our food together. That was my version of the do a dinner table before I had kids. Then I had said kids... And the dinner table is like a war zone. It's like every time me and my wife, we have these two words. We should just put it on record and just press play. Because we say it every single day. We look around the table saying, eat up. Look over this one. Eat the food. Look over that. Just eat up. It's like, why are you not eating the food? And my wife has spent time slaving in the kitchen. She cooks these wonderful meals. She, she'll put out a lasagna one day. Amen. And she'll put out fried chicken the next day. Barbecue chicken the day after that. Some festivals there. Some rice there. I'm having the time of my life. And these children, they're not just messing around. Eat up. Eat up. And it's like that kind of ideology, that kind of plan. I look at the life, I look at society and it's like, guys, eat up. What we're dishing out here, we're dishing out the bread of life. Eat up. We're dishing out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Anyone who eats will live forever. So eat up. Listen, seeing a loaf of bread on a plate will not satisfy your hunger. Come on, knowing the ingredients that went inside the bread will not satisfy your hunger. Come on, taking pictures of the bread. (laughs) You know, uh, look what I'm eating tonight. That won't satisfy your hunger. How about this one? Telling other people about the bread. That won't satisfy your hunger. Come on, selling the bread on, again, it won't satisfy your hunger. Nothing will satisfy your hunger except when you actually take the bread and eat it. This is why we do communion. This is why we do, it's a remembrance so we can take the bread, take the flesh of Christ, take the blood, eat it, consume it for our lives so we can get the nutrients out of it. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Many people dancing around the dinner table of Jesus Christ. Sitting there, playing with the food. Sitting there. Listen, Jesus expects us to eat. He looked at his 12 and said, are you going to go also? He says, well, they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. When you participate, when you partake of the bread of life, you understand that this is what you've been needing from day one. And I say this because, or Jesus said this because, there's so many people in our society looking to be satisfied with things that will not bring satisfaction. Satisfied with things that will not fill the hunger. 
Come on, you know how I feel about McDonald's. If you've been here any length of time, you know how I feel about McDonald's. You eat McDonald's, five minutes later, hungry again. That's not the world we live in. Come on, let's do this for fun. You do that, hungry. Come on, let me get into this relationship. He said he loves me. You get into a relationship, hungry. Come on, let me go to this place. Let me, let me dabble in this. Let me go get my palm red, hungry. This world will leave you hungry. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats me will never hunger again. I'm testimony of that, that this world has nothing to offer us. Oh, I'm satisfied eating at the table of Jesus Christ. Satisfied internalizing my Savior, my Lord, my King. Oh, at this, give me Jesus anytime. Keep the world. I'm satisfied. I'm never going to hunger again. I'm never going to thirst again because of what Jesus did. Come on, let's give him praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Yes, you can have physical bread. Listen, I will, I will have physical bread with you. Come on, I'll partake. But as long as we don't neglect the spiritual bread, the bread of life, which is only Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place.